Hi there, this is Laura Mae Lindo, and you are listening to Midtown Conversations. And today I'm sitting with Marjorie Knight. In my humble opinion, she is one of those people in our neighborhood who leads from a place of love. And with that, let's begin. So here we are on land that has been held down, cared for, loved, and stewarded by the Haudenosaunee, the Anishinaabe, and the neutral people. And one of the things that I have been taught is to always make a direct connection between the reality that you're having a conversation on stolen land and the topic of the conversation that you're about to have. And for me, I've learned a lot uh, engaging and building relationship with Indigenous community members, uh, not just in this region, but uh, from across Turtle Island, who have demonstrated to me with their actions what it means to lead from a place of love. Despite the barriers that they face, despite the issues that they encounter, there's a loving way in which they resist. And so I am here today with Marjorie Knight, who, in my humble opinion, is one of the people in our community who leads from a place of love. So Marjorie, thank you for joining me. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. This is really something that I've been looking forward to. These kind of talks. Yeah. Get to the bottom of stuff. Get to the bottom of stuff. It's real talk and real walk. And so with that, I want to ask you sort of an opening question, just a general thought. Um, I am often speaking about leading from a place of love. I have a lot of people that will say to me, um, you know, talk to me about your leadership style and what is it that you do that draws people to you in the way that you lead. And I'll often say to them, I lead from a place of love. But what I've realized is that in theory, I think a lot of people understand what I'm saying. But in practice, we need to have some uh, explicit conversations about what it looks like to lead from a place of love. So to start us off, I'm wondering if you can talk to me a little bit about that. Like, what does it mean to lead from a place of love? And is there somebody that you know in your network who you think uh, exemplifies that, that, that is a prime example of leadership from a place of love? It's, it's such a, a simple com concept, mm -hmm. but complex at the same time. Leading from love means that you don't always lead. You aren't always the one out in front, that you're always having an eye out to say, hey, look at that person over there. Look at what they can do. Yeah. How do I bring you forward? How do I mentor? How do I grow? Yeah. Because I, I can always be a quote unquote community leader, mm -hmm. but I can't do all the leading in the community, nor should I. Yeah. I'm not the one with most of the knowledge. And honestly, I'm definitely not the one with all the skills either. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's about looking out for those who are really those who should be leading in the community. I grew up in Jamaica, which for all intents and purposes is a black country. Mm -hmm. So I never knew at any point that I couldn't lead yeah. if I wanted to. The examples, my mother and her five best friends, if you look at their careers, they were all incredible leaders on the national and international scale. Mm -hmm. And I watched them. 
And the one thing that I noticed was the strong thread amongst all of them was the way they identified and mentored mm -hmm. young, upcoming people and yeah. how far these people went. And kind of sunk into me that this is the way to lead. Yeah. So back in 2018, I founded a little grassroots organization called Rhythm and Blues Cambridge. Mm -hmm. I invited some of the moms that I work with as a social worker to come and join me on the project. Mm -hmm. And a few of them came and there was this one young lady and I'm just watching her, you know, she's like, okay, we need to do this. And she'd be doing community outreach and she'd be bringing in this. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. Look at this one go. <laughs> and I said to her, you know, you're really good at this. She's like, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm just, you know, talking to people. Like, mm. <laughs> That's what we're mm -hmm. talking about. Yeah. I said, look at her go. Mm-hmm. So I, I kept engaging her. She's a single mom, three children. And one day we were talking and she was saying, you know, I'm watching my daughter. And it's like she's getting smaller and smaller and quieter and quieter. I said, what's going on with that? Why is this happening? She says, you know, black girls in particular have a hard time in school. And they get bullied a lot. And pandemic came on and mental health issues. And I said, yeah. So, so what do you want to do about it? Mm -hmm. What can you do about it? I said, tell you what. You figure that out with a program. We'll run it. BGX was born. Black Girls Excellence. And if you see the difference in her children mm -hmm. and the other children, especially the racialized children, mm -hmm. you re realize what an amazing program it was. But this is all from her mind. Yeah, yeah. And this is all her development. We had Art from the Heart, where she brought together a, a racialized psychotherapist along with an artist to do this program that's just absolutely beautiful for mental health, for families mm -hmm. of all sorts. Mm -hmm. This is all from her head. Mm -hmm. And in her head, she's not a leader. Yeah. So yeah. I started tucking her under my arm. It's like, hey, we're going to go over here today. Yep. We're going on the radio today. I can't go on the radio. You, know, you, know, you can go on the radio. Mm -hmm. You can do this. You, Oh, look, we're having a, a little, you know, conference over here with some journalists. You should come and talk to them. And she's like, oh, my God, I can't do that. I'm yep. like, oh, I, yeah, you can. And you just sneak her in and out. You just watch the confidence build. Yeah. This year we got the funding. This year, we're hiring her. Beautiful. And she will be the ED because she is a leader the community needs. Yes. And that's how I believe it should work. That is brilliant. That is brilliant. I want to take you back a step to something that you said. Um, one of the questions that I've had for folks is uh, to take me through some of the barriers to actually being or becoming a leader who leads from this place of love. And so if we take the example um, of this woman that you have been mentoring, what 
how would you describe the barriers? What were what were the barriers that she was experiencing or expressing that were potentially stopping her from stepping into that leadership role to do this amazing work? I think that the biggest barrier we have, especially in this case, is she didn't see herself as a leader because mm. she has not been developed to be a leader. Yeah. So if we go back a generation yeah. or actually go forward a generation yeah her daughter who now is doing so much better you know we got her volunteering with the food bank and other places and doing mm-hmm. lit training leaders in training blossoming yeah and one of these organizations decided to send her to a leaders kind of conference camp thing for youth mm-hmm. and she went and it was mind-blowing for her Mm-hmm. Because this child, for the first time, is seeing that she can be a leader. Yes. But she was also the only racialized child at that event. Mm-hmm. She was the lone black girl mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. I have been invited to other um, venues and other situations where a you know, service club has said, please come and be a mentor, for instance, come and help us mm-hmm. with our youth mentorship programs. And again, I look around the room and not really many of us racialize yeah. people in the room as mentors. But that's not the part that is worrying to me. Mm-hmm. The part that's worrying to me is that when you go back to see what youth they're bringing forward, mm-hmm. it's not the racialized youth. Yeah. They are not being recognized as leaders. They're not being given the tools to be leaders. They're not being encouraged. They're not being mentored. Yeah. So we have the same kids yeah. being brought forward to these leadership yeah. um, events. So if you're not being tapped on the shoulder to be a leader, if you're not being developed from high school or elementary school to be a leader, yeah. Why would you see yourself as a leader? Yeah. You know what, Marjorie? That is so interesting to me because I remember, I guess it's two years ago. I think it was 2020. So during the pandemic, um, the office created um, the Black Excellence in Leadership Award, Bella. And part of why we created it, I was just trying to do something for Black History Month, which I always thought we always do stuff for Black History Month. And then I realized in my leadership position that, Not everybody does things for Black History Month, right? And so we were trying to develop something that we would do for Black History Month. And we started to see that there were all of these Black student unions and Black student associations in high schools in Waterloo Region, which I I went to school. I, I went to high school in Scarborough, but I never saw any Black student unions and we're quite diverse in Scarborough, right? Mm-hmm. At least the schools I, w- I was going to were quite diverse, but there was nothing like that. A black students union in high school, that was not a thing. And so I remember bringing together um, first the students, like getting some help with some amazing contacts that I have in the school board, um, speaking to some of the students about the why behind gathering in that way. And then realized within that system, they can't gather unless there is a teacher that is supporting them or sponsoring that club. And so I asked the teachers to come out. And so one of the, we had a virtual conversation. I want to say it was about 17 teachers. 
uh, all of whom were supporting some of these these student associations. And the vast majority of those teachers were white teachers because the vast majority, I think there was an article actually just this week in, um, in the record around um, diversity among our teaching staff and the fact that we're still fighting to increase diversity among the teachers. So these teachers, primarily white, were supporting these black students um, and other racialized students, other non-white students in gathering in meaningful ways um, in the schools. And what I, I realized two things in, in that time that we were developing this. One, many of the awards that people give out don't go to our students. So they don't go to black students. For some reason, um, even their resilience, it's a word I don't like, but that'll be a whole other podcast. <laughs> yes. But anyway, um, even their resilience doesn't equate to leadership. So they don't get tapped on the shoulder for that or recognized for that. Um, and their tenacity in, to, to survive in a system that doesn't necessarily see them. Um, so that was one of the things. And the other thing I realized is that it was the small steps that were making a difference. And so these teachers were coming together and they were all saying to me, we don't know what we're doing. We don't know what we're doing. And yet they were doing it. Like they were literally doing it by supporting these students. And so I, we developed the Bella and we gave out this award for the first time. We'll be giving it out again um, this year. But I've been thinking a lot about that, those barriers that make us think that it's this massive change that we're waiting for somebody else to do because we don't see ourselves as leaders. And I will tell you that this past week, I was in Rhythm and Blues mm -hmm. with our um, BGX group. We were in an elementary school in Cambridge. Mm -hmm. uh, where we're doing a, a seven-week program yeah. with racialized kids. And um, the principal was the teacher who was there. Mm -hmm. And he was so excited to be able to bring this. Yeah. And so we had um, a group of kids. And then it's like, oh, oh, wait, you know, my friend would love to come to this. Um, can, I, can I go get my friend? And they were like, sure. Yeah. So then it just kept growing, you yeah. know, and, and it was a simple thing that we did. We had flags from around the whole world, just all on the floor, everywhere in this library. And it was so nice, a school with a library. Yes. Yes. And um, everybody was connecting with flags. Where, where, where does your family come from? Mm -hmm. What is your heritage? And everybody was, you know, looking at the different flags and, what languages do they speak there? You know, putting down, what languages yeah. do you speak at home? And everybody's putting down in the conversation around language and heritage. And it was, you know, it's being led by them. I mean, we put the thing out there, but yeah. then, you know, you kind of let them lead into what they're doing. And it was, it was just a wonderful thing. And we have six more weeks mm -hmm. of doing this with this school. And it's wonderful. And of course, everybody's like, oh, well, well I want it at my school. Yeah. Well, well, can we do it at our school? And yes, I hope we can do it in many more schools. Yeah. But just the chance for them to have something that was theirs that they could celebrate, it made such a profound difference to them. Yeah. And I'm here and I'm looking at these kids and I, I'm already picking out in my mind, you know, oh, look at that one. Yeah. Boy. 
boy, she's going to go somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Keep an eye on you. Yeah. And yeah. Seeing how you can do that. And I'm like, man, this is elementary school. And so we need to elementary school. But, you know, I am sitting there going, just going, I need to get into our high schools. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Because some real conversations need to be there. And some real mentoring needs to happen there. Yeah. Thankfully, there are some other groups because the Black Brilliance crew oh, yes. is doing marvelous yes. things. Shout out to Black Brilliance. Yes. Absolutely. Marvelous things and, and you know, setting a standard for yeah. us all to look at. But the important thing is that we have to recognize that there's a barrier and we have to overcome it. And then, of course, we then have to deal with the ones like, well, well, why does it just have to be for racialized kids? Why does it have just to be for black kids? Because they're the ones that are being left behind. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's, that's my community and that's who I have to help. Every example of the kinds of programs that you have mentioned that have been so exceptional in the impact have been simple, right? So I'd like you to talk about that because I think there's something that we need to reflect on again going back to I know I keep saying it but we're always looking for this big huge strategic shift when I am convinced that the change the thing that is going to end racism is going to be the simple changes that we make in our day-to-day where we use our positions of power and influence to do something differently so that's one and the other thing that you you didn't say explicitly but every example has been that You have one of the things that I admire about you, Marjorie, is that in everything that you do, it does not matter where you are, you find a way to open up the space for the solution so that everybody is part of it. Like you don't say, I am Marjorie Knight and this is my project and I am doing it this way and I am the solution. But you say, I'm Marjorie Knight. I know some people. I got a network. Let's bring people along for the ride. And I think that there is power in making sure that whatever kind of anti-racist work we do on the ground is something that everybody is a part of. Because I'm convinced that when our solution involves everybody, then all of the folks that are worried like, oh, this project is for black students to address issues and they feel like they're excluded they'll now feel included in the solution. Because I don't think that black students on their own can solve that problem or black parents are going to solve the problem of anti-black racism. It's got to be all of us that are doing that work. Does that make sense? Well, you know, and and there you kind of hit my little mantra. Bring it. Bring it. Because if you ever look at Micah, the book of Micah in the Bible, Mm -hmm. and it says, what does the Lord require says it requires you kindness, mm-hmm. justice, mm-hmm. fairness. That's what it says. Mm-hmm. But that is required of everybody. Yeah. And there's no way that I'm ever going to stand up and go my way or, okay, my kids will tell you I say my <laughs> way. But At home, it's a different thing. Yes, because I'm the mom. <laughs> that's why. It is my way. But I'm a highway. Um, but the thing is that there is no way that I am going to have all the answers. Mm-hmm. There is no way I am going to be the one who is going to do everything. Because the moment you think like that, mm-hmm. you will not achieve even one of your goals. Yeah. And I wish that more people 
But think about this. It's about the team. It's about the different perspectives. It's about the things that you didn't even recognize. It's like when you talk about driving black mm-hmm. <laughs> with somebody and they say, well, I, I'm not worried if the police pull me over. I said, that's you. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, I have a cane in my car mm-hmm. because I use a cane. And it's a black cane. And if I get pulled over and somebody asks me to get out of my car, I am not going to touch my cane. Yeah. Because I don't want anybody to think, oh, my goodness, what is she pulling out there with this long cylinder thing? Mm-hmm. And somebody said to me, but, but well, I, I, I've never thought about that. I said, you have never had to. Yeah. And so perspective yep. is a very important thing. And with different perspectives come different solutions that can work much better than if just one person said, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. So no, I am never going to be the one who says, hey, this is my idea and this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. I will always have a team. I will mm-hmm. always invite people into that place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will always do it that way because that is the only way you can get things done. Well, listen, the more that we chat and while we're chatting on air right now, we chat off air often. And the more that, that I think about this notion of leading with love, the more that I'm seeing um, patterns in what people are saying to me. So one Um, it's about simplicity as opposed to to complexity. It has to be simple. Everybody can understand it. Everyday language, everyday. Yes, yes, yes. Um, And it's about all of us feeling as though we are part of the solution. I, I think sometimes we, we spend a lot of time trying to articulate the problem as opposed to coming up with a a co-authored solution to addressing racism action action it comes down to action action we can talk this thing to death we can mm-hmm. talk about it all day all night mm-hmm. and if all we do is talk nothing happens that's it so it's about getting people who are willing to take action yeah and action as you said can be very simple yes it just is a little difference a little step a little pebble along the path Mm-hmm. But it's action. And with action, will come change. Yeah. But you got to get to the action. But you got to get to the action. You've got to get to the action. And so with that, I say step by step, step by step, we're creating the world that we want. And that's why we're coming together to have real talk about real walk. This is Laura May Linda. <laughs> Midtown Conversations was produced by Matt Rappolt, Allison Dijak, and myself, Feed On. You can follow Marjorie Knight on Twitter at KnightMJA Knight, that's Knight with a K. She also runs Rhythm and Blues Cambridge. Their Instagram is at Rhythm and Blues Cambridge. They also have two major events coming up this summer. Look out for the Art from the Heart program and the Multicultural Festival coming up, and the Our Emancipation Day Street Party in Cambridge on August 1st. 
If people wish to volunteer or get on their mailing list for upcoming events, more details can be found at rhythmbluescambridge.com. All the links can be found in the show notes. This has been a Midtown Radio production. We're just doing levels, <coughs> sound checking. Oh my goodness. So microphone check. check, check, microphone checker. No, checking for volume and clarity. <laughs> volume and clarity. This is a microphone check. Checking oh. for volume and clarity. Oh my goodness, that's really good. Can you see that? <laughs> I think we're ready. Just give me a minute. Bring the Corvette around the corner. Oh, yes. Bring me the little red Corvette, baby. Okay.